I've got a smile on my face. The camera is pressed record. The mics are hot. Episode 18 of the Iconic Podcast. And this is the regular season recap of the NBA. And I don't think I can do an NBA regular season recap without my buddy, my pal, my uncle, the man with his name on the masthead, calling from Chicago, Illinois. How we doing, Uncle Luke? Oh, it's a beautiful day in Chicago. It's 65 degrees, sunny with a slight wind. I'm heading to the course after that we record here, Bo. The Cubs are playing the Angels. Trout's in town. The Masters are on. I can't think of a better weekend and a better way to start my weekend than with you talking NBA playoffs when they get underway tomorrow. God damn, what more can we ask for? This is going to be absolutely phenomenal. We've been able to put together a nice little format structure for the show because we we were able to listen to the podcast from prior to the season. We noted and jotted down some of the funny things that we said, some of the things we got right, some of the things we got wrong. I think it's going to be very, very fun to look back on some of the things. But, I mean, Uncle Luke, sometimes the beginning, you got to start at the end. And Mm. it is the end of an era. Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki are on their way out. This is it for them. We are no longer going to see them playing in a uniform. And I I coined this term last night, and I think you were very fond of it. Oh, I love it. I'm I'm calling this the end of the NBA Live era. Oh, you want to explain what the NBA Live era, what it means? So, yeah, yeah. So our generation is obviously a big video game generation. It's our form of chess at some point. There's strategy involved and – in basketball culture, the the hot basketball game is a huge part of it. It is a staple, a cornerstone of hoops culture. And right now, NBA 2K dominates, and, and really it has since 2K9. But prior to 2K9, NBA Live was the video game that was to be had. T-Mac, Iverson, Kobe, Shaq, Wade, Dirk. All those guys were the forefront that led the charge of NBA Live. And D-Wade was even on the cover of one of the NBA Live uh, editions. 08, right? I think that, yeah, 08 sounds about right. I'm going to pull that up. But, man, do they they totally capture what that era was about. Yeah, and it's a completely different era from the era we know now, which is pace and, you know, pace and space and and these long dudes and these seven footers who can be your point guard or be your shooter i mean that was the end of the your point guard is the distributor your shooting guard is probably the best player on your team you got a, a three who can do it all uh, a power forward that hits 15 you know 15 foot jumpers and, and gets 10 boards a game and then the center that you feed the big fella you know to start the game there was a, it's like a strict you know, outline of that era. And I, I can't think of two ambassadors, two guys who really encapsulated uh, that generation more than Wade and Dirk. Now you could say Kobe, Duncan, you know, they had their battles, but I mean, I can't think of two hall of fame guys who a had, you know, outside of magic and bird that had this sort of, you know, I would say friendly rivalry between each other, with with the two finals that they went up against in, in 2006, when, uh, 
Durkin, the Mavs were favorited against uh, Wade and Shaq's Heat and then went up 2-0, and then Wade put on one of the best performances we've ever seen in a finals by an individual. And then in 2011, Dirk follows it up as the underdog and beats the the Heatles, Wade, LeBron, and Bosh. You know, no one saw that coming, and 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 Dirk put on probably the best performance, a four-game performance of his career to beat those, those that Heat team. I mean, they, they, they're forever linked, and I think two, two Hall, surefire Hall of Famers, obviously, but two guys who just really, you know, brought out the best of that generation. Pretty remarkable that two of the better finals performances that we have seen in the last 20 years, both come from these guys going against each other. And obviously, you know, Wade wasn't matched up with Nowitzki at times and Nowitzki wasn't matching up and locking down on D Wade, but they were the leaders of their uh, prospective teams. Yeah. Two best players on the team. Obviously LeBron, Probably took over that role on the the Heatles, as you like to call them. But, <laughs> man, you've got some crazy moments. In, in the 2006 finals, Wade goes for 36-10-4 in game six to clinch it. Um, 26 seconds left in the game. He's hit two free throws to go up. 17 seconds left. He gets a rebound and then another two free throws to go up five. He's your finals MVP. And, and as I was watching the highlights, kind of putting together some of the some of the notes and some of the ideas I wanted to have for this podcast. Do you remember in the 06 finals that awful gaudy giant Larry O'Brien trophy in the middle of the Dallas Mavericks floor? So bad. I think they had it on the heat floor too. They put it on both stadiums. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Was it just absolutely disgusting? Um, from that series though, a couple other things I noted, and I'm going to use this phrase later in the podcast. But Dwayne Wade played defense like a safety. Yeah. He was just a ball hawk who got to roam, do what he wanted, and trust his instincts to go make plays. His bounce was obviously so electric early on. and Yeah, it was and the prime block, flash. Yeah, I mean, the block shots are such a memorable moment for him. I mean, most blocks for a player under 6'4 in NBA history – his timing was impeccable and that stayed with him through the rest of his career. Hence, hence, you know, probably the efficiency of recent, his timing might be one of his best attributes. Yeah. As someone who, you know, when you watched Wayne Wade play, you know, over the years, his, his athleticism started to, to, he started taking you know a few steps back with the injuries. I mean, he put his body on the line. His recklessness was very Derrick Rose-esque and obviously he played before Derrick Rose and, but I mean, he was one of those guys that my dad, when we watched, we'd watch games in the, that era, we watched Dwayne Wade play and he was on the floor like 75% of the time. I mean, just going to the basket, fearlessness. Um, I mean, that like when, when he teamed up with Shaq and Shaq gave him him the, the, uh, the nickname Flash, I mean, it couldn't be a better nickname, one of the best nicknames of all time. And then the big schnitzel as well. I, I, we got to give some credit to Dirk here. I mean, he's got, he's got an MVP to his name. One of the most underrated players of all time. Uh, I obviously ushered in this new generation of, of bigs who can shoot the ball. And he was the first of that. I mean, when we was, there was a moment in time where a seven footer was the best three point shooter in the NBA when a time when that really wasn't valued. I, I think if you took Dirk, you know, when he was drafted in 98 and stuck him in 2012, 2013, like the, the budding of the era of, of the, the seven footers that are shooting 
the shit out of the ball, like, you know, Laurie and Porzingis and Embiid and all these guys. I mean, Dirk would, he may be utilized more. He might be shooting more threes. You know, his career, he might be more valued. But I mean, to be you know the, the godfather of the seven footers who can shoot threes, um, he's he's a trailblazer and uh, one of the most iconic, sh- you know, shooters of all time with that fadeaway. And I, I just remember being so salty in 2011 when the, the Heat beat the Bulls and that that Rose MVP year and spoiled that that magical year in Chicago that we still talk about today. I mean, I was rooting so hard for Dirk, and, and he put on one of the greatest performances. Because you look back at that Mavs team, and it's it's a washed-up Jason Kidd. I wouldn't say washed up, but he's old. You know, the Jet, Jason Terry's old. Sean Merriman, old. Tyson Chandler, Tyson Chandler. old. Like, J.J. You look at Barea. That, yeah, look at that lineup. That's not supposed to be – like, Wade, Bosch, and LeBron were three of the top 12 players in the league at that time. And Dirk just put on one of the best performances of all time in that series. And same thing goes for Wade I as mean, you lined out. Two – Iconic Hall of Famers for sure. Leading up though, even to that 2011 finals, he sweeps Kobe in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah. Sweeps. No chance. That's the same series I think that Bynum got ejected for that hit on Berea. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And I don't, God, I should have looked up the stats on this. In that 2011 finals run, Dirk's free throw percentage in that series was off the fucking charts. I want to say he had like 36 free throws in a row during that 2011 NBA finals. Mm, yeah. I mean, he, he got to the line, he dominated them in the paint and they had no answer for that fall away jumper. I mean, they, that was, that was clear out, clear out, you know, the lane and let Dirk go to work from 15 and he's going to, you know, he's seven feet tall and he used it to his advantage. And I never saw anybody block a, a fadeaway jumper like Dirk and, and you know what a great way to see them both go out. They're they they both score thirty in their their last home games. You know Dirk gets uh, Detlef Schrempf and and Larry Bird and Scottie Pippen and and Charles Barkley to come and say a few nice words, his heroes. And then you know D Wade with the Banana Boat Bros. They they show up in Brooklyn. I mean two great ways. I you know if you're not a Kobe fan, like a massive Kobe fan, you would probably think that. The Kobe, looking back on it, was a little over the top, but it's Kobe. You know, you got to give him that send off. These two guys, they went out with class. They went out, you know, graciously. Dirk waited to the end to say he was retiring, and then obviously Wade with the one last dance all year. I mean, two two generations that, or a generation of two guys that, I mean, will forever remember, and obviously two cornerstones of the fr- franchises. You know, we're not going to see Dirk. I don't want to say ever again, but we're never going to. It's it's dwindling that era of guys who stick. One 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 guy, one team for twenty years. You know the swipe right generation, as Bill Simmons likes to call it, of guys who want to change yeah. teams every three years. And I mean that has that's perks too. I mean free agency is awesome now because of that. But yeah. at the same time, to see that sort of commitment to to one guy, one team for X amount of years, and obviously Wade had a quick detour, but he'll he's synonymous with the Heat. He's and Dirk's synonymous with the Mavs, and I think that's two of, two of the best things you could say about those guys. In the 2011 NBA playoffs, Dirk Nowitzki attempted 186 free throws. He made 94% of those, which totaled out to be 175 out of 186. Wow. And those those are clutch free throws. Those are not early game. Those are heading into the fourth quarter, five minutes left. He gets hacked. He sinks two of two. That is 
awfully remarkable. So, you, you know, you mentioned that we might not be seeing any more Dirk, but I'm not so sure that's the case. They've, they've mentioned that Dirk's going to have this new, quote, special role mm-hmm. with the Mavericks. And actually, I, I brought this up to you when we were preparing the show. I, what, what do you think this role is, Uncle Luke? What could it be? I, I don't know. Is it him on the bench? Is he up in the front office? Is he an international scout? I mean, all interesting things. I, I've long, you know, heard rumors about, you know, if Dirk stays because he took a lot. You know, both these guys, you could say. I mean, obviously, but both these guys took paychecks to to have better teams. I mean, Dirk absolutely and historically took a bunch of paychecks so that Cuban could go out and pay guys and try and you know sign free agents and then and then Wade, you know, took the biggest pay cuts of all in of those of those Heat teams. But I think I was always under the impression that if Dirk stuck around for a full career with the Mavs, that Cuban was going to give Dirk a piece of the team. I don't know what the percentage would be, but I think Dirk's going to have, you know, his, his hands in just about everything. Obviously Porzingis is the heir to the, to the throne of the big guy in, in Dallas and with Don Chich, they're going to be incredible. So he's obviously going to stick around with those two guys being there. And I, I, I don't think he's going to necessarily be an assistant role, but I think you're going to see Dirk, you know, showing up at, at the, in the box seats next to Cuban. Cause those guys have been there together. Like Cuban bought the team right around when Dirk was drafted. So, I mean, those two guys, their legacies in the NBA are forever linked together. So it wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past anybody to think that Cuban gave Dirk maybe a small percentage of the team to do whatever he wants. The last note that I want to make before we kind of move on to the, the regular season recap and playoff preview. This feels like, and it almost the NBA live era that I coined this generation as mm-hmm. is synonymous really with our childhood. Yeah. It really feels like it's the last of the guys we saw growing up as kids and watching the game in awe. You know, now we watch it almost from a professional aspect and, you know, of course, watching the bulls and watching the bucks we get caught up being fans but watching them as a kid they are superheroes for you and i was able to watch d wade from the beginning my dad's a milwaukee guy so the marquette connection i was watching d wade his rookie year and it truly feels like this is the last the last of the era from our childhood and for whatever reason i keep wanting to throw like T-Mac and Kobe in the, into this conversation because they feel like they're just as much a part of that crew. And I almost would put Chris Paul and Mello in the crew above them for some reason. I don't know why I do that, but I, I associate Dirk, Wade more with Kobe and T-Mac than I do with LeBron, Chris Paul, and that generation that followed right after. Right, because you know they met in the 2006 NBA Finals. You know, obviously LeBron went the next year went to the finals. Yeah. but Wade was the first guy to make it to a finals, and that was his third year. I mean, if you think about That's that, probably for a second, it. like when a guy gets drafted now, he's 21. Wade got drafted at 21, so he was 24 by the first by the time he made his first NBA Finals appearance. And I mean, holy shit, what a what a finals performance it was! And I think for a lot of people our age. Though that's like maybe one of the first finals that they remember so clearly. Like I remember every game from sure. that final series. I was ten years old, but I mean, you, 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 I think that was the most. You, you knew you knew the significance of that finals. That was kind of for me. That was like the first one where I was like, oh, okay, like legacies are on the line here. Like Dirk could be the best player in the league if he wins this finals, and the Mavs were the best team in the league that year too. So 
I think Michael Finley was on that team. I mean, that they had a lot of good players on that team. Um, I, I don't want to downplay Wade's role and performance in the 2013 NBA Finals. No. Because he had a couple very, very big games for the Heat against the Mavs. Uh, oh, you mean 2011? The 20, oh, okay, so you're talking about the Spurs Finals. Okay, I got you, yeah. When they beat the Spurs in 2013, I want to say he had a game with 32 points and and played a huge role on that team. I don't want to downplay that by just highlighting the 06 Finals. The 06 Finals just happens to be one of the best of all time. Hmm. I would agree with you. All right, Absolutely. Uncle Luke, you feel good about that? Yeah, no, I mean, too, uh, it's dominated this week's news in the NBA, and we're going to miss those guys dearly, but uh, what two incredible careers. Favorite Dwayne Wade play of all time? Ooh, for me, it's the, uh, I want to say it was an 08. It wasn't a playoff game, but it was towards the end of the year. Uh, the Bulls are playing the Heat, and Wade steals an inbounds pass on a Bulls. Like, the Bulls are trying to hit a game-winning shot. Wade steals the ball and then hits, like, a running three-pointer from, like, the logo, like, half-court logo to win the game. And he steps up on the the, the media press uh countertop and says this is my house and i was like god damn this guy's a superstar like he just steals 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 the inbound pass you know bypasses ben gordon hits a a running three and like the place goes nuts i mean obviously i wasn't happy at the time but i mean you can't signify a better superstar and then for dirk i mean just that 2011 finals he was so gritty and so I, i hate to use cliches but it was it was it was his time and it rarely get do we get to see a guy be his team probably a little bit overmatched in talent and Dirk just completely took over. And it was, it was a defining, you know, legacy get, uh, finals for him. Cause if he didn't win that, who knows when the Vavs were going to make it back to the finals. And I mean, he just completely took over and was the best player on the court, which is incredible to say when LeBron James, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade are your opponents. So for Dwayne Wade, I'm going to say the dunk on Anderson Verizal. Okay. Yeah. Reggie Miller on the call. Oh, Anderson Varejao, welcome to your Kodak moment. (laughs) And then for Dirk, uh, he had that game winner. It kind of recycled on the Twitter timeline recently. He had that game. Maybe it wasn't game winner, but it was a go-ahead bucket against the Lakers. And Kobe taps him on the butt after he hits it because he fell right into the Lakers bench. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And And for whatever reason, that play just... That sticks with me. I think any time, and maybe it's the European connection and European appreciation that Kobe has, and maybe that's why that that they do have that relationship. But, man, I just – that turnaround from 15 to 16 feet is as fucking good as we've ever seen, man. Yeah, I mean, do you think of un, unblockable shots? Obviously, Kareem's number one and always will be, but – I mean, the Dirk fadeaway, it, it doesn't get any better than that. And Dwayne Wade, too. Dwayne had a great fadeaway. But, um, yep. yo, let's, let's, get, let's get into this here. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. But, where do you want to start here? I mean, you know, hmm. we, can, we can ask the question, who won the season? We could look at the playoff picture. We can highlight you know, some of the teams. I mean. Uh, let's, 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 let's work this in here. Okay, so. I got a question for you. I want you to hit me with it then. And it's gonna, it's gonna, this is we're gonna do like five, five, seven minutes on the Lakers because it's it's overblown. Let's do it. And, and it was, 
Let's get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, what is the three big, like, okay, so I'm going to give you three options here. Magic, LeBron, injury, and Luke Walton. Of those three, who do you blame the most? LeBron injury. Why? And I don't, I actually, I don't even think it's close. Oh, man. I mean, prior to LeBron getting hurt, the team was still like a four seed in the West. And no, they weren't doing probably everything that they should have been or could have been doing. But if you get to the playoffs with LeBron, you're going to be fine. Unfortunately, that injury, which who knows what the severity of it was. But if he's healthy, I mean, nothing nothing that Magic did or didn't do was going to matter. And Luke Walton definitely has the least of the blame among Magic, Rob Palenka, and Luke Walton. Yeah, and he's getting I, I, and I was, I mean, I, I was a critic of, of Walton's during the regular season. I had a, a lot of frustrations and doubts about what he was doing with Lonzo Ball's playing time. Uh, some of his subbing was really odd. I don't know if he's getting told stuff from upstairs. That's why it's hard to say that it's on him or it isn't on him. But I think Magic has to take most of the blame here. I mean, hmm. the, the injury LeBron can't control. Magic's the one to blame the injury played the biggest factor. How's that? That makes sense. I mean, for me, the the thing about that injury, I think of all of all the things you could say about it, how it derailed the Lakers season, and it did. Um, but for me, I think the scariest thing is that maybe LeBron just realized his mortality. I mean, here's a guy who's been, I mean, incredibly healthy his entire career. I, the, the words we uh, we've we've talked about it so many times, but his ability to stay healthy. I mean, last year he played 82 games. He played every single playoff series at 33 years old, and he legitimately carried the Cavs. Like, it was him every game. He was expending incredible amounts of energy every single game, all 82 games, every playoff game. Went to two seven-game series between the Celtics and the Pacers. Uh, I mean, I think this year, I think we going into the summer, is like, all right, well, LeBron's 34 now, just signed a – a four-year deal, so it's going to run through his year 38 season. He'll stay healthy. He'll play 70 games a year. He'll play 75 games a year. And I think this groin, which came out of nowhere on Christmas Day, you know, he tweaks it a little bit. And, you know, from all the rumors and all the reports you could hear about, you know, a, a, a lesser man would have been in a wheelchair for two years. Who knows? Uh, I think the scariest <laughs> thing, if you're, a, if you're a Lakers fan and if you're LeBron James, is that, we might have just realized his mortality a little bit, that maybe he can't do this. He can't do this alone anymore, that you can't take a, a bunch of young, really talented kids, put LeBron on it and put LeBron on that team and make a playoffs. I mean, my favorite video on the internet right now is all the daily talking heads, Stephen A. Smith, Colin Cowherd, Nick Wright, all those guys, uh, you know, everybody on Get Up. And you go back to the beginning of the year, it's like, you know, I think Cowherd said, LeBron's good for 15 wins. So whatever the Lakers season was last year, add on 15. I think Nick Wright, obviously one of the biggest and loudest supporters of LeBron James's career, went ahead and said, Lakers no doubt are winning 45 to 50 games. And then you hear Doris Burke right before the season. I'm still searching for this clip, I swear to God. But Doris Burke goes, you know, I don't see them making the playoffs. I, I know how good LeBron James is, but there are so many variables here that, A, the kids have to get better. You know, that's one. Two, LeBron has to stay healthy, which ended up being the case of a bit, maybe the biggest reason why they didn't make the, the playoffs. But Doris Burke just came out, and, and everyone was like, what, Doris? Like, what are you talking about? Like, the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. And she was 100% right. Everything she said was on point. 
and for me, uh, you could talk about the AD stuff, which I know we'll kind of get into here, but I I think the scariest thing about this season is that maybe LeBron James isn't going to be playing. You're not going to expect LeBron James to be the LeBron James of 28 years old anymore. The, the Doris Burke thing, I do recall her saying that, so I don't know if that's any validation. No, I knew it's a try. I remember, but... I remember her saying it, and if LeBron's healthy, though, they make the playoffs. You know, the kids weren't great at times, but they did enough when he was healthy to win games. Mm. Lonzo was still a top five point guard, defensive point guard in the league. Kuzma was still shooting the ball. You know, Ingram was so on and off this year, and and he actually, he was your pick for most improved player this year. Yeah. Uh, And he was my pick for most improved player the previous year. But he had his moments, and I don't know. I think the kids did enough that if LeBron had been healthy, they're they're still in the season right now instead of going fishing. The AD situation, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Quick, quickly give me your, your opinion on this real quick. My opinion is that we're not behind the closed doors. It's really hard for guys like you and I to speculate. I think even for people in the national media, the the daily talking heads, as you, as you call them, what, I mean, what do they know about what's going on behind closed doors in that discussion, in that trade meeting? I don't know how Anthony Davis should handle this situation. It's a super bizarre, unique situation to be in. You don't want to play. You have another year and a half on your contract. You said you want to go to this team. The team that you play for does not like the team that you want to go to. How does how I don't know how he should go about getting what he wants. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, go ahead. The last thing I was gonna say is, although I thought they, you know, you don't want to pass up an opportunity to get Anthony Davis. I did say in the middle of the season, do not trade away the entirety of your core for one player. They got rid of D'Angelo Russell, and then this year D'Angelo Russell pops off. And all the Laker fans are mad because we should have kept on to D'Angelo Russell. You know, it was your impatience that's encouraging the front office to do this. Mm-hmm. You need to let these kids grow. They need four or five years to figure it the fuck out. Yeah. So don't trade away Anthony D- – or don't trade away the entirety of your core, the entirety of your future – for a, not a short-minded or short-term plan, but it, it's it seems small-minded. Yeah, I would agree. For me, Anthony Davis took the biggest hit of any top 10 player, top 12 player, whatever you want to call him, Without in the league doubt. this year. I mean, I, Without a doubt. You and I were so high on him coming into this year, and, and for good reason. I mean, he, he took a Pelicans team that I don't think a lot of people – had a lot of faith in last year in the playoffs and they and they swept the Blazers and the Blazers were hot all last year. They were that that was maybe the Dame Dame Lillard's best season to maybe make a run at the the conference finals, you know? And 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 they just swept them right out of the playoffs and Anthony Davis was incredible. Uh, I think I had him maybe as my MVP. I don't want to say maybe as my MVP, but I mean he was just outside. I think I had Kurt Kyrie to be honest with you. Oof as my MVP. But um oh. yeah. <laughs> we we'll get to, we'll get to the Celtics in a second, but uh no i i for me like his and to, to, to do the shirt at the last game that's that's all folks and then to say i didn't pick it out like dude you're a grown man you're in charge of your wardrobe i know it's a fashion show every night in the nba and don't get me wrong i love it but uh 
you're in charge. You're a grown man. You can make the decision of seeing that shirt hanging. If you know, if your dresser is, if you're, you know, whoever decides your outfit, if you're Anthony Davis and you see that's all folks, like maybe that's a little tasteless. I mean, he could not have gone. I think Kareem talked about it best. You know, when Kareem wanted to, to, to get a trade out of LA, he talked about how, you know, I'm not going to bring it to the press and obviously different era, different media, uh, you know, access at the time. But he said, "I'll still play. I'll still put 100 percent into the into every game. You know, every game I'll play. But this is this is my long term outlook. And if you guys want to get anything back from me in a trade, go ahead. Feel free. If not, I'm walking in free agency. And that is by far the most professional way you could have gone about this. And if you're Anthony Davis and you see you have two years left on your deal, that's probably how you should have gone about it. And maybe you, you're in L.A. now." If you went about it that way, but instead, you know, things get leaked to Lodge and Shams. Uh, now, all of a sudden, everybody's got an opinion out of it. Then, you know, uh, Clutch Sports and what's his name? I forget his name. And Rich he's Paul. Rich Paul, who arguably had, you know, one of the most ridiculous seasons of an agent could ever have. Uh starts leaking stuff to the media about the Pelicans ownership and the Pelicans GM and all these things. And it turns into a mess and nothing happens because of it. So I think on both sides, I think, you know, obviously Magic and Palinka had, a, had, had you know, a part in this as well. On both sides, just completely botched. And who knows what, what's going to happen now? Maybe AD stays with the Pelicans. Maybe the next trade for him. Oh, no you know? way. Like, who knows? No way he stays with the Pelicans. You, you, you'd think that, but no one in, in that 10-day span in February when we everyone thought it was a matter of if, not when, uh, or a matter of when, not if, excuse me, uh, that he was going to be a Laker, and it just didn't happen. So who knows what you know? What teams are going to give up for him now? Now that they know that hey, we could just wait. The Lakers can't wait. LeBron's going to be thirty-five in December. You can't wait for him. You can't wait. I think the situation, though, the differences between Kareem and Anthony Davis are significantly different. I would say, you know, when you're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in nineteen seventy-three or seventy-four when he made his move to LA. You don't really have to deal with the news and the media press like you do today. Right. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's a fucking tough job for Anthony Davis to answer the media every day after game, before game, on social media. He's getting talked about constantly. Kareem kind of got to go under the radar, probably told front office, probably some people out in the fans knew. Uh-huh. But it wasn't a worldwide known thing that, oh, Kareem wants out of Milwaukee and wants to be in L.A. You could say the same about Porzingis. I mean, I know it happened so quickly, but there had been grumblings about Porzingis not wanting it or wanting a trade. And then when this, when he, when he gets traded and the story breaks that, you know, the Knicks front office and Porzingis's camp were like, we want to trade earlier in the year before it actually happened. Like you could, if, if teams really wanted to keep things under the table and, and keep hush hush about things, they would do that. It was obvious that the Lakers wanted to be known, that they wanted Anthony Davis. LeBron said all those things to the media. And Rich Paul and Clutch leaked a bunch of information to the to to, to you know Waj and Sham saying AD's unhappy here. He wants to be traded and he wants to go to the Lakers or this set of teams. I mean, that was a crazy 14 days in the NBA when we saw Porzingis get traded and Anthony Davis didn't get traded, but all that happened. Regardless, I, I I'm gonna go to my friend. This is my last point about the Lakers. Yeah, well, gonna, I, we should move on yeah, anyway. So. My 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 good friend Joakim Noah once said about LeBron James, "Hollywood is hell," and I couldn't think <laughs> I couldn't think of a more accurate description of of the Lakers season this year. Um, especially with the way Giannis just turned down the Space Jam two role 
mm. for quote saying I don't care about Hollywood, which kind of fits exactly all these what you're little messages to LeBron being like, dude, this is about basketball, not your your business life. You know, like uh, you could you could see it that these guys are kind of getting a little sick of of LeBron. But I mean, there's no better player to play again play with. That's all right. for sure. All right, all right. So let's move on, Uncle Luke. Yep. And I mean, I don't want to bring it up. We're doing it. Let's do it. But fuck the question of who won the NBA season, man. It's none other than your boys. I'll let you have the floor here because you watch them more than anybody else. And I don't Can think you, I- you want to intro it slightly. Give like a, a just a a light, light recap. Yeah. Light, light. Like I'm talking 20 seconds. Yeah. I mean, for, for Milwaukee's sake, I think we knew that this team was talented. We knew Giannis could take a next step. But then to actually go ahead and do that, you know, you talk about it all the time. I know that so and so is this, has this potential, but I need to see it in order for me to make a, a or to to make an informed opinion about it. And for me, Milwaukee was by far the best team in the NBA this year, as far as Giannis's MVP, which I know we'll get into in a second. But case in point, right here, Milwaukee was an eight seed last year. They had a different coach, and they relatively had the same roster. They bring in Brook Lopez basically, and a couple other players throughout the season. But same roster, and they're the only team in the NBA to win 60 games. Giannis has even better numbers than last year when some thought he was the MVP. I mean, that that's that's my clearest case I can make about it. They made a 20-win jump. They were by far the most dominant, dominant team in the NBA, night in, night out. If they lost a game, they made sure they – I mean, they're, I, guess they, I think their they're following game, they went like 19-1 and this year after a loss. And it wasn't until the like last three weeks of the season where they had back-to-back losses. Right. I mean, they were consistent, and they were by far the best team in the NBA this year. They owned the NBA. Giannis owned the NBA. He's my MVP. The floor is yours. All right, Uncle Luke. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, <laughs> hearing hearing all the praise from the Milwaukee Bucks this season, I don't get sick of it. Hold on, I, one second. I don't get sick. <laughs> Hold on. When you go th- when you go through this, I'm going to tally up how much money I made on the Bucks this year. I'm going to give you. A I, go on. <laughs> go on your rant. Okay. So then I will. I'll start with this. I did not bet on a single Milwaukee Bucks basketball game this year. Mm. I, I, I enjoyed watching you take take the train on down to Winning Town, but I didn't want to place a bet. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to keep this as pure as I possibly could. I have been watching the Milwaukee Bucks since I started watching basketball. I have photos of me going to the Bradley Center in maybe 2002 in a game against the the Indiana Pacers. I was able to go to a game this year. I've been to games in many years in between. I've watched more games than I'd care to admit. And I watched those games when this team was absolute dog shit. I didn't care. It was never really about the winning for me. I was supporting this team regardless of the outcome of their season. In 2009, maybe it wasn't 2009, but when I first met my good buddy Dustin Sleater, who was a diehard Steph Curry fan, and I was a delusional Milwaukee Bucks fan. I swore to him, and I and at, then it eventually became a joke. But I swore to him, Brandon Jennings is better than Steph Curry. 
That's where my mind has been for the last 20 years of my life. I had a little bit of fun in the, the early 2010s when they made a move and got Monte Ellis. That, for me, was the highlight of my Bucks fandom until about 2013. In 2013, they drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo. My first reaction was disappointment. I was sick of them drafting international projects. They had done it before and failed miserably. However, this one felt different. On, on draft night, it was explained that the kid was from Greece. My dad's family, who is all from Milwaukee, are all Greek. So immediately, there was, uh, there was reasons to be invested. And then on draft night, they also said that some of the guys had nicknamed him Bo in Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> and well, 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 I continued to watch. And in the first year, it was only a few minutes and a few games. But he showed the flashes. And then the next year, he took another step. And he started to show out in some big games at Madison Square Garden. And eventually, by year four, he made a big impact for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was a household name throughout Milwaukee. And, and the following year, he made his first all-star team. And this year, he's a household name across America. I've watched the entire transition. I've seen him with every coach. I saw the change to when they got Jason Kidd. And Giannis started to learn how to be a point guard, how to handle the rock how to distribute, how to draw defenders in and kick out, how to look off defenders with your eyes. This year was really, really special. In previous years, I would enjoy the games knowing that, well, you know, don't put, pour your heart and soul in because there's a good chance that they're going to fuck this up. But I don't know. Around week three of this season... It was different. It was vastly different. Coach Boonholzer, who did a fantastic job in Atlanta. Coach of the year. He's your coach of the year in the NBA. He took a team that was an eight seed, and like you said, Uncle Luke made one pickup. Now, I do not want to underestimate the importance of Brooke Lopez to this team. Or Chris Middleton or Brockton, all those guys. This was a team. Yeah. This was not a story of Giannis doing it all by himself. Giannis did a lot. He did a fantastic job in a lot of different areas. But this was a team. This was a deep team. You're talking about a team who had DJ Wilson contributing, providing valuable minutes late in this year. At the trade deadline, they got Miritich, who has not really been able to play too much, but I think will prove to be a smart move come playoff time. This team was consistent. They were healthy. Their main focus, their main emphasis was on the defensive end. They were the number one team on the defensive end in the NBA this year. The Bud system on offense. Let it fucking fly. You miss, 
You come back down. You work your tail off on defense. And then you go down the floor. And if you get another open look, you shoot it again. Brooke Lopez fitted fit right into all of that. You know, hopefully come playoff time, the threes continue to drop. But we always place an emphasis on being more than a three-point shooting team. We are a defensive, lockdown, scrappy team who also happens to be able to shoot threes and dunk on your head. Uncle Luke, I cannot wait. I've never been more excited for an NBA playoffs in my entire life. For the first time, I'm... I kind of get to be a part of it. Yeah. I, I'm going to be heavily invested. This is the first time for me that, that this will be a real playoffs. In the past, I watched it just as a hoops fan. And for the first time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch as a Milwaukee Bucks fan. And, and man, am I excited. I mean, all of that couldn't have said it better myself. The total net profit, $175 off of the Bucks alone this year. Uh, God bless you. Yeah, I mean, God bless you. I bet I wrote him as 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 high and as far and as much as I possibly could, and and that's just regular season. Who knows? Come playoff time. All right, that was a good segue though into playoffs, and I think we should start in the East with Milwaukee. And you and I have been talking about this for about a year now. Is that you know there's been an awakening in the East. Uh, the top percent, the top four teams in the East. It's going to be a bloodbath. You know, obviously nothing's you know given. They got to get past the first round series, and I think we can get into it here in a second. But I mean, Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly. I've never been more excited for a semifinals in one conference in my entire life. And I think because all of these teams they have flaws, but they are all super talented. Boston across the board, a lot of people thought would just breeze through this year, hasn't been the case. Toronto has been rock solid. My favorite thing about the, I'm going to say this real quick. My favorite thing about these matchups is that we're going to see Kawhi unleashed. You know, we're going to see for the first time in two years now, we're going to see that top five player come out night in and night out, both ends of the floor, being the guy. And then also Siakam, probably the, the most improved player in the league, you know, by, by a decent margin. He's kind of become the number two in Toronto now as well. He gives a lot of teams no one problems. Gave- no one gave the Milwaukee Bucks more trouble this year yeah. than Siakam did. And I swear to God on that. The, I mean, he's 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 the clear number two in Milwaukee, in my opinion. Obviously, you got – I mean, that lineup alone, that that two through that one through six right there is of Lowry, Danny Green, uh, Marcus Gasol, Abaka, Siakam, uh, Kawhi, Van Fleet. That's boatloads of playoff experience in that in that in that starting five, and then the, the couple of bench players that are going to give significant minutes. I mean, Toronto is somebody you have to look out for. I think they're the dark horse in the East. I love Milwaukee. They've been the most consistent. Do they have enough offensively when it's you know crunch time and and they're, they're you know teams are going to just block the paint as much as they can for Giannis. Um, so I'm interested in your opinion of of, of all four teams. Uh, I know we can talk about the other four teams in that East as well, but those are really the clear four teams. Without a doubt, those are the, the clear-cut four. And what I like about the East, and I could be wrong here. I don't want to misspeak, but I think they're a little bit nastier and tougher than the talented teams of the West. I would agree. So, yes, the Warriors and the Rockets would probably beat out you know, these four teams that we're talking about in the NBA finals. But there's something about 
this Eastern Conference right now, they're fighters. They're really, truly trying to embody an earlier generation of basketball players. And, I, you know, I don't love Joel Embiid, but the dude talks trash, man. I think he's a little bit softer. I think he's a little bit more Ooh, bark than he is bite. I don't know about that. I think he's a little bit more bark than he is bite. Oh, come on. He likes to, he likes to fall down when he gets hit. He's very dramatic. Of course. So maybe, yeah. maybe he's not, maybe he's not, not tough, but he's a little dramatic at times. I think my favorite thing about the East here is that you can make the, the case for all four teams for coming out of it. You know, Philly's got that starting oh, five. Oh, without it. Oh, my goodness. Any there's, I don't think there's a favorite, and I don't think that there's an underdog among those four. No. And now, with Embiid possibly not playing the first game, we don't know the severity of this injury. I think Brooklyn takes them to seven games. I mean, don't get me going now on the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets, Uncle Luke. Don't do that. As I mentioned in the regular Brooklyn. season preview episode. Brooklyn. I can't Brooklyn. wait. I cannot. It's going to give me shivers when they when they start doing that in the playoffs. I said it in last year's podcast preview. I said it in this year's podcast preview. The Brooklyn Nets are a team to watch and D'Angelo Russell was and was a rising star and is now a superstar. Where do you rank him? Top 20? Top 15? He probably cracks top 20 for me. Okay. I would I would say and so. And you, you give him another two years and it, it's 15. And then in another two years, he might be cracking. He, he might be a 6'7 guy here real soon. Let me ask you this question and then we can go to the West. Do you think it's going to be – so Boston is the four seed, right? I want to say Boston is the four seed. Yeah. Boston is the four seed. They're going to play Indiana. That's going to be a pain in the ass series for Boston to get out of, especially – Oh, Nome, my God. They're going to get – I mean that's got to be six, right? Does I, that go six, I seven? I mean defensively, Indiana is super sound. I, I, you, you know me and we can go back to it in the, the, the preview pod. I loved Indiana this year. I loved Miles Turner. I loved uh, Oladipo and I just loved, you know um, – everything about that team and the, because they reminded me a lot of the, the, the bulls teams where they had this they had the star player but everybody else played way better than their actual individual talent and because defensively they just locked down so i mean six don't, or seven uncle luke don't underestimate yourself you're saying that you liked the pacers coming in this season no 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 <laughs> you were high on the pacers this year in fact you truly truly projected predicted and saw this team Coming forward and had, you know, of course, Oladipo not gotten hurt. I think they're the four seed, if not a three seed. Yeah, maybe even a little higher. I mean, they were, I mean, they were locked in all year. And obviously it sucks that Oladipo goes down, but just loved what they were doing there. But here's my question for you. And then we can move on to the West a little bit. So say Milwaukee comes out of the East, they make it to a finals and, and Giannis is, you know, just running through teams, just playing his best basketball do you think if they make the finals and whatever they, they give, uh, how many games they want to give to the Warriors, presumably, uh, do you do you sense a shift or maybe a little bit of a dialogue shift over, you know, I think for the past 15 years, maybe 12 to 15 years, LeBron has been between the next best player in the league to the best player in the league. And in and, and in a one-game scenario, LeBron's the best player in the league currently. 
But on a day-to-day, you know, nightly level, Giannis has been that guy all year. Same with Harden. You can make the, the argument with them as well, him as well. But do you see a shift if if Giannis makes this this run? He takes these bucks on a run between, I don't know, Giannis is 24 now. LeBron's a decade older. You know, kind of slowed down a little bit this year. Do you see that shift where people are going to be like, on a night-to-night basis, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Do you, do, you, do you think a finals run would have to qualify for that to happen? I I really don't know what it would take for that conversation to happen because Giannis doesn't really care about the national perception of him. Like being the best player in the world is important to him, but this is about basketball. And I think there's some similarities between him and Mike Trout, to be honest. I think that if, if Giannis, you know, does, I don't know, extend the Warriors to six games in an NBA finals and, and he balls out, it would definitely help his national his national perception. I don't know how many people are watching that much Milwaukee Bucks basketball this year. If there's a comparison I'd give this Bucks team to a team of the past, I might give them the Detroit Pistons of like 2004. Just add the the talent that Giannis is. Yeah, and, and you know the, the the Pistons don't have the cornerstone small forward. You know the, it was Billups, Prince. Sheed, Wallace, Rip, and Rip, and they took down an uber talented Los Angeles Lakers team by playing legit defense and educated, disciplined basketball on the offensive end. Could I be. think I they have a upset potential within their DNA and in their team structure. I, I completely avoided your question. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't know what the answer is though. Right. And that's I mean, the truth. I I just I just sense this shift of, you know, if we see this Bucks team play up to their potential and they're the, the, the best team in the East and they come out of the East, I just really think people are gonna start saying, you know, until you know, on a nightly basis, Giannis has proved to be the best player in the league. And and it's just that that constant swinging back and forth of because LeBron wasn't at his best this year. And I think a lot of guys who, you know, I think for the last 15 years, LeBron has been a, a cornerstone on the all-NBA team. You know, especially, obviously, first team. But I don't think he makes first team this year. You know, I think he'll probably end up on the second team. But I could see people leaving him off the all-NBA team altogether. I mean, LeBron had some really bad tape this year. And I get the numbers. Oh, well, you can't leave him off all – you can't leave them off all NBA. I, I'm just I, I'm not saying I would if I had a vote. I don't think I would, but I wouldn't be surprised if people didn't vote for him this year. I mean, he didn't play that many games. One, um, to maybe played even in 55 games. Okay, so he barely qualified for it. Um, I he, he's, he's he still I, put up 27. I know but seven and seven I, or whatever the fuck he did. I agree. I and I think for people who who casually watch the NBA, I think. They understand that yes, LeBron is a top three player in the NBA. But if you watch, if you watched him on a nightly basis, he was checked out. I mean, defensively, you could find as many highlights as you want about him lapsing defensively. Um, you know, it just wasn't LeBron James this year, and obviously, he got his twenty-seven, eight, and eight because he always will. But the expectations on LeBron are so high, especially being in LA now that he just wasn't himself. And I think that's going to hurt him in the national conversation. And especially if Giannis goes on this run, 
I don't know. I mean, because like, don't get me wrong, KD's in line to get his third ring, his maybe his third Finals MVP, and people are going to start talking then because as many as LeBron, as many Finals MVPs, you know. I don't know why I want to. I've been okay. My and you know what's funny is I've had a conversation shift as well. And it's less about Kevin Durant, and it's less about LeBron, and it's less about Giannis. Steph Curry has two MVPs. Yeah. He's about to win his fourth ring. When or if Kevin Durant leaves next year, there's a really good chance that the Warriors are contenders once again for another NBA championship. Run it back with Curry, Clay, and Draymond. Toss in you a said 3D. It, you said it not you said it not me, brother. And at some point, if you've got two MVPs, you're the greatest shooter of all time. And if he finishes with five rings, hmm. I, I mean, what what do you say about the guy? Is he the is he a top five player in NBA history? Is he a top Stark four? In the case. I, I I what else would he have to do? To enter that conversation, you know he's not a clear cut point guard, but if you if you could start asking people, give me your starting five. Tossing Steph Curry in there instead of Magic Johnson isn't out of the question at that point. It's not that ludicrous anymore. No, like Magic, incredible player. You know, we could go on forever about Magic, but what Steph Curry does, I mean, the generation he has inspired and the players that are beginning to come into the league that are emulating his type of play, he stretches the court. Uh, he's one of he's he's not the best dribbler in the NBA. He's the second best dribbler in the NBA, handle wise. I mean, Kyrie's far and away the best, but handle wise, he's incredible. He gets his teammates involved, I, and and off the court, he's a leader, a eh? but he's also just an easy guy to play with. He has fun. Like they, those are all necessary things for a team like Golden State to continue their dominance. You know, he doesn't have that alpha personality that you know I think a lot of people think is an assessing NBA teams and it is but he he can defer and I think that and when you when you talk about deferring KD you know went to took a lesser role going to Golden State and deferred a little bit LeBron can't defer LeBron when he wherever he goes he's the show you know he's, he's the guy the dog. you have to build a team around LeBron James you could make the case that Kevin Durant you know obviously in OKC him Russ and and Harden for a little bit like he shared the spotlight in a little in a way, and then when he went to Golden State, shared the spotlight again. You don't you don't have to build a team around Kevin Durant because he will defer and still be the best scorer in the NBA. You know, so these are all when you talk legacy, you talk about these things all the time. But I just think uh, we're we're seeing what what the ingredients of a LeBronless playoffs look like, and the narrative for the first time in fifteen years is not about LeBron James. It's about these other teams. It's about the four teams in the East. It's about Golden State making this dynastic run. It's about Houston and James Harden. It's about Denver coming out of nowhere and being a really good team. It's about Utah. Can Spida make a run? Like all these things, they matter. And OKC, Paul George, and and and, and Russ. You know, like this is okay, so can, the can changing we have of the guard. Conversation about OKC. Yeah, changing of the guard here in the playoffs, which I love. Let's talk about OKC because people. Right now, and I think there's some rightful reasoning to have this conversation, but a lot of people want to include Russell Westbrook in the MVP conversation. His third year in a row averaging a triple-double. 
The team is one of the better teams in the Western Conference playoffs. Who? Here's my only beef with it. Who's talking MVP for Russ? I think there's plenty of people talking MVP for Russ. Uh, they didn't watch the NBA this year then. I, I think it would be silly to put him ahead of Giannis and Harden. Or Paul George. But there's people doing it. What about his And teammate? there were also people... Well, and that was my point, is that earlier this year, there were people saying that Paul George was an MVP candidate. It's it's hard for me to see two potential MVP candidates on the same team. That seems – that's a tough image for me to put down. And I mentioned that at the beginning of the year when I said that, you know, Curry and KD, they can't really win an MVP when they play together. And I don't think they're committed to it either. Oh, I don't think they give a fuck. There's a certain commitment level of playing every night to owning the NBA every night that you kind of have to have, which Harden and Giannis have by and away have. And but like Paul George, that January, February stretch, if he's in that form, I wouldn't be surprised if OKC made it to a a conference finals. Now, where they're seated, they'll have to go through a name. You know, I'll have to go through Golden State, but Yeah. I mean, they're they're gonna um, be a tough out regardless. And other another team that I do want to bring up for five minutes, and we have to start wrapping this up a little bit, Uncle Luke. Mm-hmm. But the Los Angeles Clippers he and Jerry it. West, the job that he did this year yeah. is nothing short of remarkable. Why would you say that? A team with I, – I, and I guess they benefit from having limited expectations, but – Zero expectations, to be honest with you. But Lou Williams off the bench is one of the best professional bucket getters we've seen in maybe 20 years. Tobias Harris, when he was there, was solid. Uh, Montrezl Harrell gave them such intense energy in his few minutes in a game. And we put this question into the, uh, the script of the show. What was your favorite game to see live this year? Yeah. And mine was Clippers Kings. Hmm. That was one of the most fun games I could have watched this year. The Clippers are an absolute blast to watch. And the Kings are as fast as anyone in the NBA right now. I, I don't know. I They've got Jerry West knows something that the rest of the world doesn't know. And I want to know what he knows. How about He is an absolute genius. How about the trade for Tobias Harris? They get the unprotected Miami 2021 and 2022 pick. I forget which one it is, but Miami's not going to be a team in two years. Like they're no they're, they're rebuilding. They're, that rebuild is coming. Obviously, they just missed out on the on the playoffs this year. But Wade's retiring. Hassan Whiteside. They gave him a massive deal, and now he comes off the bench because Bam. I, I, Bam. I forget. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, out of bio. Thank you. Um, a little bit of a tongue twister, but I mean they're rebuilding. That 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 rebuild's coming, and to snag that pick from Philadelphia. You know, a process brilliant. pick, brilliant to get that brilliant, for, for, brilliant, to, brilliant. to Tobias Harris, and obviously it worked out for both sides. But I mean, and, and Shea Gill is just Alexander. I think a lot of people slept on him because he didn't have as massive of a role as you know maybe Trey Young or Don Chich had for their teams. But Gill just Alexander already has a refined mid range game, which is unheard of in the NBA today. And you know, obviously people want to so say, rare as a rookie, but just to, just to have that in your back pocket of, yeah, I can hit a 15 footer if you leave me wide open, which I mean, teams will give that to you. And if it's not on the rescouting report, he'll kill you from mid range. He's going to be an excellent player. He's long, he's tall. 
He's extremely athletic. He's a perfect fit for that Clippers team. I mean, Doc, I know we said Bud's obviously the coach of the year, and he is. But, I mean, the, the job Doc did this year. They were not. Oh they, my God. they were. They were projected to be the 13th team in the East and the in the West. He, he deserve. He deserves a lot of credit. And if it wasn't for Bud, Doc's probably in consideration for Coach of the Year. I think he'll get some votes for sure. But they, the Clippers did really well. And I mean, in the in the rest of the way in the playoffs, you know, this could be Pop's last run, Bo. This could be oh it. Oh my God, we didn't even get to it yet. Oh my goodness. Oh my God, this could be it. This could be it. I don't think um, it is, but I, it could be it. I projected that the Spurs might miss the playoffs for the first time under Pop prior to the season. Yeah. And wow, am I so happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. He'll he'll get him in. I've never been so happy to be wrong in my life. I, I love seeing him there. I love seeing him in the NBA playoffs. I think no matter who they play, that they're going to give him a really hard time. If you think beating the Spurs in San Antonio is just a gimme, oh boy, are you mistaken, my friend. Yeah. In the 20 years that he's been there, or 20 plus years that he's been there, that's like 7,400 7, days. Their, their, their days of not having a winning record is like 60. I mean, that stat is absolutely insane. 7,400 days for the last, that's about 20 years. Oh my God. That's about 20 years. And, and for 50 of them, only 50 of them have they not had a losing record. They they are so consistent. Pop gets the best out of everybody. Derek White's a player. I know you like him. Derek White is a player. Uh, oh my God, do I love they him? They get Dejounte Murray back next year. You know, Aldridge had a really good year again. Just super solid. Uh, they're not going to be an easy out either. They they play hard, and Pop's going to get them ready to go. But if it is the end for Pop, I mean, for me, like I, I tweeted it out a couple of months ago after they you know they clinched the playoff spot and clinched another winning record. I mean, yes, Phil Jackson had the luxury. Of oh, I mean, every great coach had the luxury of incredible players. Our back had Russell. You have to, yeah. yeah. Our back had Russell. You know, Pat Riley had those Knicks teams, but also had Dwayne Wade uh, and Magic. Um, who else? Phil Jackson had Kobe and, and Jordan. Um, but and Shaq. and Shaq, thank you. But you know, and, and of course, Pop had Duncan and. Uh, Ginobili, Parker, Manu, and Tony, Kawhi, and- like all great players. Don't get me wrong. But no, no one of those coaches that I talked about did it for 20-plus years that Pop's doing. The consistency is off the charts. And as an NBA franchise, that's what you want. The reason why the Spurs are often thought of as the most well-run organization, not in just the NBA but of all sports, is because of Pop's culture that he's created. And for me, he's the best to ever do it. And if I'm starting a franchise and I'm starting a team and I, I get to pick my coach that I can have for the next 20 years – like who else would you want? Five championships, twenty years, maybe not the success of our back or Phil there Jackson. There is no one. That's the point. Exactly. There is no one else. Best to ever do it for me. Best to ever do it. God, man, if if it is his last go, I hope that final game in San Antonio that that game gets delayed a half hour because of the standing ovation that the Spurs fans are going to give. But you know Pop, Coach Pop. he's going to go out the way Duncan did. Press release in the and middle just of quietly August. And then, and then and then be in the middle of the Bahamas. Yeah, like Duncan. <laughs> like That's why it worked because those guys, they didn't care for the limelight. They cared about winning and they cared about consistency. And, and hope, I, think I would love right. to see him make a run. I think you're right, but I hope you're wrong because the Spurs fans deserve to give him the ovation that they want to give him. Right. And they will. They'll find the time. All right, quickly. Rookie of the year. Don't even give me an explanation. Doncic or Young? Doncic. Cool, but cool. 
I am so fucking happy that Trey Young proved me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see him play this year, and, you know, he got ejected in the third quarter for taunting, which I loved. But at the same time, like, he's a special player. I, I think we see on TV Curry, like, pull up for 35 feet, and we're like, oh, my God. But when you're sitting close to the court and you're watching these guys play and the speed that they're playing at, the first time I saw Trey Young play this year, he pulls up from 42 feet just casually and drains it. And I'm like, what the, like this, that's insane. Like that's a long way for a regular shot in a possession. And they unleashed them this year. The Hawks are going to be a good team. They got Collins. They got two picks this year. Um, I mean, they're going to be a really good team. And and I'm so glad Trey Young worked out. Yeah, I am too. I'm really, really happy. I think it says a lot that the other players in the league are voicing their opinion saying, Hey, Let's not count Trey Young out of this thing yet in terms of the rookie of the year race. Right. I mean, from day one. Let's not do that. From day one, it was Doncic. He's just been – I mean, I, it would be dumb for me to to switch to Young right now after, you know, <laughs> when we – back in our KCLU days when I was saying, you know, this this guy that that's getting – that's in the draft next year. Not this upcoming draft, but the next one. They're saying, and you're like, I have no idea who you're talking about. Don't even talk to me until that that year comes around. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, I've just, I've just loved the dude, and I love his game. And 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 slowly but surely, his name was brought up yeah. more and more and more. And then, oh, oh my god! All right, he's a blast to watch, and he's gonna be able to play a long time. Which oh, will be a lot, especially of fun. in Dallas, taking the torch. It'll be perfect. All right, give me your final four. Let's do playoff projections real quick. Give me your final four. So two in each conference. All right. Uh Bucks 76ers. I mean I'm going to say Thunder Warriors. Mm. Really? Yeah, I think so. If oh, I didn't get to bring this up. Go ahead. And I want to. Yeah, yeah. My pick for most improved player of the year? Yeah. Yo- Joseph Nurkic? Yeah. Um Hello, minus the injury, and he's winning most improved player of the year. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, also, if they have him, I think that they could also be uh, the Western Conference semifinalist. But without him, there's just no way that Stephen Adams is going to chew him up. Mm. I, would, I would so, agree. Yeah, how about you? I, and then we got to wrap it yeah, up. Yeah, I like Warriors in Oklahoma City. I, I don't think, you know, I think Denver is is good. I don't know if they're ready, though. Um, I just don't think they're ready yet. And I, I like if Paul George can play like he did in January and February, they'll they'll take Golden State 12 rounds. I think that they have that punch in them. However, you know, the last – since the All-Star break, they've been brutal in the first half, and they've started really slow, and it's really killed them. But they've, they've got to start fast and play a lot better in the playoffs. So I got Golden State, Oklahoma City with you. I like Milwaukee and Toronto. I just think Toronto's experience is off the charts compared to the rest of the East. They've been there before. And I just remember two years ago when Kawhi was in the playoffs, especially against Houston, and and, and he's playing against James Harden, and it was just like he was the best player on the floor. And James Harden was arguably the MVP that year. But I just I think people have kind of slept on Kawhi because he sat the, the back-to-backs all year. But he's just – and I know you love Kawhi just as much as everybody, and you've got that connection with him. But I, I just think Bucks Toronto, I really like the Bucks out of the top of that. I wouldn't count out Boston yet. But I just, I, I, it's going to be real. I, I, I remember when I texted you, like, I think Milwaukee's coming out of the East. 
and you're like, ah, I'm going to be tempered about it, but uh, it's it's going to be that's going to be a battle if that happens, Toronto and Milwaukee. Uncle Luke, that might be it, brother. Another day. That might be the regular season recap. Another day son. in the association, man. God bless. It's a beautiful sport. It's a beautiful league. You're a great producer. That's a hell of a show right there. We got to break it all down. I mean, it was the end of the NBA Live era. Dwayne Wade, one last dance. Dirk Nowitzki on his way out. Lakers not making the playoffs. LeBron James not in the playoffs and for the first time in what feels like my lifetime. <laughs> Magic steps down. The disaster that was the Anthony Davis situation. I then got to... Uh, I got to hold the mic there for a little bit, Uncle Luke, about the Bucks. It felt good. You deserved it. It was in my notes. Let Bo fanboy about the Bucks because you needed to do it. You needed to. I had to do it, man. It was it was a hell of a year for a small market team. And to get 60 wins, to have what might be the MVP, who might be the best player in the league, and might be contending for an NBA championship this year. Who knows? Uh, got to break down a couple spun teams, the Nets, the Pacers, the Clippers. Um, broke down then at the end there. We got to talk a little bit of the rookie of the year. We did the MVP conversation. We talked about the legacies of some of the, the lasting superstars right now in the NBA. Uncle Luke, anything else that we forgot to mention? I don't think so. If you need me, I'll be on the course. Uh, Let's see if Tiger can pull this thing out. I'd love to see it. But I, I'm good, Bo. Without further ado. We got a hell of a we got a hell of a weekend, Masters, NBA playoffs, MLB seasons rolling. The first place San Diego Padres. Woo! If you don't look That's what I'm talking if about. If you don't love this weekend, I can't help you out. Plain and simple. Uncle Luke, I think I'm gonna go uh I think I'm gonna go get some buckets over at the wreck. Bobby Buckets, love to hear it. But first, before I do that, there's one more thing we must do. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Let's go home. Let's go home, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go home. Big make a clap to this. 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 Big make a clap to this.